Most of you, I'm sure, would consider yourselves Christian here in the church today. But I want to ask you, are you considerably more thankful than your unchristian, unbelieving neighbors or your unbelieving co-workers or your unbelieving students? How thankful are you? The German theologian Meister Eckhart once said this, If the only prayer you ever prayed was thank you, it would be enough. If that was your only prayer, it would be enough. German theologian also Martin Luther once said, God does not need our work and has not commanded us to do anything for him, but simply to thank him and praise him every day. How thankful are you? Is Thanksgiving something you do once a year, or is it a lifestyle that you've woven into the fabric of your everyday life, that you don't get up in the morning taking things for granted, but you thank God for all your blessings? Now be careful how you answer that question, how thankful are you, because being thankful is not natural in our human condition. And I want to make three points today. That is that in our human condition, we are inclined to ingratitude. That's our natural state, inclined to ingratitude. Secondly, I want you to give a formula this morning for living with gratitude. What is the formula? What's the secret? And thirdly, I want to see that was to see that Jesus is the reason for our gratitude. So today we're going to end up in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 and following. And Luke tells us that he is now on his way to Jerusalem. And we know that what happens in Jerusalem. He is to suffer and die for the sins of man. He has set his face like flint to that destiny that the Father has sent him to accomplish. But along the way, he is leaving a legacy of ministry. He's teaching his disciples what's important about the kingdom. And today, the teaching from Luke will be on gratitude. So let's remember as we walk through Luke 17, 11, back to the Old Testament. Because in Psalm 95 today, it says, In the time of provocation in the wilderness, you tempted the Father. Provoca- what provoked the Father? It was their ingratitude, right? You know, God initially hears the cries of his people in Egypt. Remember that in the Exodus? They are enslaved. They're under harsh taskmasters. God liberates them, brings them out through Moses, out into the wilderness, through plagues and miracles, promising them a land flowing with milk and honey. And certainly they're thankful for their salvation, right? No, they're really not. They grumble and complain as soon as they get out of Egypt. Moses, why have you taken us out in the wilderness to die for goodness sake? You think that was provoking the Lord? I think so. Soon the Egyptian pursuers would be right behind them and God would part the Red Sea so that the children of Israel could go through on dry land. And then he swallowed up both chariot and rider from the Egyptian pursuers. Certainly, they're thankful. They're grateful. Weren't they? No, they weren't. Only three days later, their mouths were parched and they needed some water in the wilderness of Shur. And God leads them to a watering hole and they were filled with ingratitude. They grumbled and complained, this water is bitter. We wanted Perrier. You gave us swamp water. Once again, they forgot their blessings. Twelve days later, their bellies ached and they were hungry. God provides for them what the Bible says is that God rained down bread from heaven. 
They walked on this bread called manna. They had more than enough to eat every day. Surely God's goodness and provision would be something to be thankful over, right? No, they forgot their blessings yet again. Numbers chapter 11 says they griped and complained, saying, We remember the fish back in Egypt. We remember those melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Now all we have is this dried up manna. Manna sandwiches, manna pancakes, manna pate, manna bagels, manna this and manna that. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? They complained and grumbled and whined and pouted. You won't meet, God says, and I quote from the Bible. I'm going to give you so much meat that it's going to come out of your nostrils, so much that it will become loathsome to you. And all this, because you grumbled and complained, we wish we were back in Egypt. Ingratitude is ours by human nature. It's gratitude that's supernatural. What's more, ingratitude is the one thing that God cannot stand. It's absolutely detestable to God. But you say, well, that's Old Testament stuff, that provocation. Well, let's look at the gospel for a moment. Look at verses 11 and 12. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus passes along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered this village, he met ten lepers who stood at a distance. Now, why were they standing at a distance? Well, by law, they were required to stand at a distance because they were lepers. Leviticus 13 gives rigid rules for how you treat lepers. The person who has a leprous disease, it says, shall wear torn clothes and let his hair on his head be disheveled. And if anyone passes by, he shall cover his upper lip, sounds a lot like mass in this pandemic, and he shall cry out in a loud voice, unclean, 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 and he shall remain that way as long as he has the disease. He shall live alone, and his dwelling place will be outside the camp. Soak that in for a minute. Leprosy, yes, was a physical ailment. It started off with skin disease and rashes. But depending on what type you had, you could develop lesions of flesh-eating sores. Oftentimes, you would lose the feeling in your limbs. Pretty soon, those lumps and the sores would pour forth with infection, Oftentimes you would lose your hands and your feet and your eyesight, and you would smell. You would stink with the smell, the rancid smell of decaying flesh. But it gets worse. Beyond the physical ailments of leprosy, there was the emotional, spiritual, and communal aspects. Every day you would see people walk by and you'd have to say, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, don't come near me, I'm unclean. They were quarantined, weren't they? They were quarantined from friends and family and loved ones and their religious community. And they were forced to live lives begging for alms every day. The law demanded that they wear tattered clothing and kept unkempt hair. That's why they were at a distance. Look at verse 13. Luke says, And from that distance they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They saw hope in Jesus. Hope that maybe he was that miracle worker that they had heard about. Hope that he was the mighty healer that they understood him to be. And what did they do? They put their trust in him. They trusted him. Look at verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Notice he doesn't lay hands on them, heal them immediately. But as they went, they were cleansed. So they had to step out in faith. Very similar to 
Naaman the Syrian in the Old Testament, who is told to cure his leprosy, he must go to the River Jordan and wash and be clean. These people stepped out in faith. And as they were going, as they walked, their sores dried up. Their limbs began to grow back. The stench of rotting flesh wafted away, never to return. All ten men received an amazing gift of God's mercy and providence. And Luke wants us to put ourselves in that story. How thankful would you be if Jesus, God, had saved you from being a leper? Would gratefulness just overwhelm your heart? Would joy be throughout your soul? Would your mind race at the opportunity to go to your wife and kiss her for the first time in years? To hug your children? To hug your grandchildren? To embrace your best friends? To go back to worship? Their lives, my friends, were restored beautifully and wonderfully by Jesus. But remember our human condition. Look at verse 15 to 17. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, Luke says. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? But no one, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Charles Spurgeon comments on this verse. He said that while ten men prayed, only one man praised. Isn't that right? Ten men prayed for a gift of healing. Only one man returned to give praise. The Maasai tribe in Africa, in West Africa, they have an unusual way to give thanks for their great blessings. If you've done something for them, they bow down, put their forehead on the ground, and they say these words, my head is in the dirt. My head is in the dirt. This one man put his head in the dirt before Jesus. One man broke the chains of ingratitude. How? Look at verse 16. I think this is the formula. It says, he was a Samaritan. And if you know anything about Samaritans, you know from John's gospel that Jews and Samaritans never hung out together. Samaritans were outside of God's covenant. Samaritans were people that were despised by the Jews. So it's kind of a funny scene. This Samaritan comes back to this very Jewish Jesus, puts his face in the dirt, and thanks Jesus. Thanks God. Praising God and thanking Jesus. This man, I believe, returned because he was the outcast of outcasts. He was far from God. He was cut off from salvation. Not only was he cut off by his leprosy, he was cut off by his birth. And then in that moment, he'd found the love and acceptance of Jesus. Jesus says, where, where are the other nine? But Jesus is rarely confounded by human nature, is he? Read through the scriptures. This is the, the only time I think I remember Jesus struggling to comprehend, where are these other people? Why aren't they coming back to give thanks? There are many reasons, probably. Perhaps they were eager to do their due diligence, to be recertified by the priests so that they could get back to their old lives as soon as possible. Perhaps they were eager to take off their rags, to wash their hair, to take a bath for the first time in forever, to wash over their formerly decaying body, to dress up nice in new clothes. Or perhaps they were Jews. It doesn't say, but we can assume that. And this was the Samaritan. Perhaps they felt entitled to their healing. 
because they were children of Abraham. Perhaps they had felt like we do sometimes. I've suffered enough. It's time for Lady Luck to smile upon me. How often do we get to a place where we are so busy doing our lives that we forget to return and give thanks to Jesus? This other man, he was an infamous infamous sinner. He was a Samaritan. There's another story that Jesus tells about an infamous sinner in Luke chapter 7. This woman of ill repute, she had a terrible reputation, bursts in on this religious party being thrown for Jesus. Jesus is there at supper with the Pharisees. This woman comes in and falls down at Jesus' feet, kisses his feet, cries tears over his feet, washes his feet with her hair and the Pharisees, the religious elite, the entitled people say, what, what, what are you doing allowing this unbecoming sinner into this place? And Jesus says, from the start, I came in, you didn't even give me a basin to wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head and give me thanks and honor me at this meal. And yet this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. And he says this in the end, and I think this is our formula. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. Those who have been forgiven little, love little. It's the religious elite who couldn't give thanks because they did not recognize the forgiveness of God in Christ Jesus. Your ability in life to show gratitude is in direct proportion to how much you've been loved and forgiven and how much you realize that in your life. Now look at verse 19 and we'll end with this. Jesus said to this man, Rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Hear that, your faith. Now that's not the word that Luke uses for cleansing. He's already been cleansed. He's already been physically restored. Your faith has made you well. The word there is sozo. It means to be complete, made whole, but it also means to be saved. Jesus says because of your great faith, you've been saved. Jesus is the reason for his gratitude. Five things that Samaritan did. He saw that he was healed. Five verbs, powerful verbs. He saw he was healed. He turned back to receive to, back to Jesus. He fell on his feet in thanksgiving to Jesus. He praised God with a loud voice, and he thanked Jesus for all that Jesus had done for him. Those who've been forgiven much love much. Jesus was the reason for his gratitude that day. I ask you today... During Thanksgiving this week, is Jesus your reason for gratitude? Are you thankful that he has saved you? Are you someone who recognizes the kind of sin that he's forgiven in your heart? Do you know that you've been forgiven much so that you may love much? Oswald Chambers says the great difficulty spiritually is for us to concentrate on God. And it is his blessings that make this difficult. How would God's blessings make this difficult? He says, troubles nearly always make us look to God, look to Jesus. It's his blessings that are apt to make us look elsewhere. During the good times, do you thank God, praise Jesus, turn back, fall on your face before his his feet, and thank him for the sins that you've been forgiven? Perhaps the Samaritan will realize after Jesus goes to Jerusalem that he went to bear our afflictions and sins our plagues, and our leprosy. Jesus became sick as he took sin upon himself 
so that we might be healed and saved. Thank you, Jesus. Perhaps this man would realize that Jesus was going to Jerusalem later on and that he would be cut off from God so that we might be brought near to the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken so that we might be accepted. Perhaps this Samaritan will one day realize that what Jesus would do in Jerusalem, the same guy he cried out, Master, have mercy on me, would be the same one who gave up all divine rights and he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, even to the point of dying on the cross, so that we might be filled with God's crowning glory and his righteousness. I think one day this Samaritan who was saved by Jesus will realize all of his blessings and he'll give even more thanks in good times, in bad times, and in the in-between times. May God give us the same grace to be thankful for our salvation, thankful for all that Jesus has done in our lives. Let us pray. Lord God, we realize that we are born with a problem of ingratitude. We grumble, we whine, we complain, and yet you give all the good gifts we've ever desired. Particularly, you gave us Jesus Christ, the one to whom we look to in good times and bad times, in the in-between times. Help us to fall on our faces this week. Thank you for all that you've done, particularly that you've saved us by grace through faith in Christ Jesus.